I was telling you about that, uh, the audio book that I was uh, listening to as I was traveling south and then coming back home. You know, it struck me once again, and it seems to be a worldwide situation that uh, those that have planned for a complete restructuring of world civilization are just pulling it off. They're doing their their dead level best uh, to pull it off worldwide. And if you have ever read uh, Rules for Radicals uh, or you know some of these uh, others uh, that are Marxists, etc., to them their 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 attitude is this: the worse, the better. The worse things are, the better it is for them because that's how they have overthrown governments in the past. And so you're not, you're not surprised that colleges like Columbia University and others who have been training the teachers, et cetera, uh, they've got a lot of people out there that are just trying to do their best to turn things over morally, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know about you, but after I read some of these things, I have to go to the Lord and I have to pray my way through it. Lord, help me to keep my focus on you because you're the one that is really in control. Aren't we? Let's praise God for this. We know how it ends. There's never a time when God is surprised. I like what I heard one preacher say one time. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to God? You know, I think I'll write that down. You know, that's, that's, that's good. So, you know, praise God. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 2. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm thankful for Brother Mike Kelly when it comes to this. You know, I, I look back at things that I've preached before, and sometimes I just, I don't catch something. And it's like, uh, wait a minute, I've, I've missed that. Uh, I don't have all the sermons I've ever preached here before. In fact, uh, and I say this with a tear in my eye, one time my, my Macintosh computer went belly up back in the late 90s, and I lost about, I lost uh, six, about six years worth of sermons. But like Dave Bushy would say, if something like that happened, he'd go, well, th- those weren't any good anyway. So that you know, make you feel better. But, uh, uh, you know, a- a- as a pastor, you do wind up, you go back and it's like, okay, you want to preach the entire word of God, but there are themes, there are places that you want to hit more than once. I'll never forget. I'd been here, I think, about six years. And I got in the pulpit one time and I, you know, just doing, you know, making announcements, et cetera, et cetera. And, and uh, then I sat down and all of a sudden it just struck me. Now this, I'd, I'd been here since, you know, about five, six years. And I looked out and I thought, my soul, I'm pastoring a different church. Now, we had a lot of people that were still there, but there had been so many that had come, and then others had, 
you know, it was military and they had rotated out and such. And so it's like, well, hey, these people need to know about these things too. So I will go back and I will, you know, look and say, okay, when's the last time I really did a major emphasis on this? So for instance, the, uh, the, the preaching that I'm going through in Joshua right now, I preached that 19 years ago. And it's like, you know, I, I've got to hit that again because that has been one of the nearest and dearest passages to me in my life. And I thought, okay, so I got to rework this thing. I want to get in this thing. I want to, you know, uh, see how the Lord uses it. But Mike, when it came to absolutely preaching and teaching the gifts of the Spirit, other than, you know, like, you know, tongues and then, you know, some of the, you know, the gifts as far as the the ministry itself, I hadn't done a whole lot on that. So I thought, well, now's the time to rectify that. And it's been a joy to look back at it. But in going there, I was praying and it's like, you know, we've, we've already ta- looked at the, uh, at the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, and talked about the Spirit and who, you know, the, his omnipresence, his omnipotence, the fact that he, like the Lord, is truth and he is holy. And then there's the actions of the Spirit in creation uh, in inspiration of the scriptures, especially in convincing men of sin in regeneration and all that. And it's like, okay, Lord, but, but how, I, I don't want to be dry in this. And it was wonderful to see how God worked. He says, listen, this, this is what you've got to do. And so it's what we're going to be doing tonight is we are beginning where the Holy Spirit came in. And there is a phrase that is used, and immediately the Lord hit my heart, and it's like, see, this is what we're forgetting. At least this is what I can be forgetting. So I want to get us started uh, in this, and uh, we will continue for several weeks. After we're done, I won't take you, I won't keep you long but after, after we're done, I'd like for you to stick around a little bit. I want to talk off camera. Uh, not, nothing heavy, but, you know, just about some things coming up in the future. So why don't we uh, take the time to pray, and we will look at God's wonderful works, his wonderful works. Not doesn't even come close to covering it, but you'll see why I chose that title. So I'm glad you're here. I hope and pray that there's others from our fellowship that join us, that that listen in later on, because these things are so very important. So I'm glad you're here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the time that we have. I pray now that you would use this time for your glory, our edification, open our eyes like the psalmist said that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I pray in Christ's name, amen. Now, you're in Acts chapter 2. I just want to quote a verse out of 1 Peter. In 1 Peter 4.10, Peter writes this, As every man hath received the gift, 
even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, it's interesting when you get to reading different commentators, there are some that are a little bit nebulous on exactly what Peter was meaning here, how the Holy Spirit was using Peter to get to speak to all of us about this. But then there are others like Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown that come straight to the meaning of it. I mean, to me, the core meaning of this all, the fact is every believer has received a gift with the Holy Spirit. He is alluding to these things in that passage because he then goes on to say this, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So in the grace that has been given us by faith, our salvation, the Holy Spirit has come and he has given us that which can be used to minister to others. Not everybody, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. It's all different. But the fact is, and I believe, you know, just pretty much everybody here has, uh, they have given testimony of trusting Christ as Savior. Stop and think about this. Everybody, everybody here has a gift. Now, that's exciting to know because, and we're, again, we're just launching into this, but let, let me say, let me say this. That means that every person is needed and can be used in the body of Christ. Not only that, but the area that the Lord would have you ministering in, it is not in your strength. It's not according to your talent. It's according to what he has given. Now, is everybody listening? Because we can, we, we, we can, we can, really hinder the work of the Lord if we think it's all up to us. And I have, I've heard good men, and I mean good men, preach that, you know, you got you to gotta work like it's all up to you and pray like it's all up to God. No, I, I'm going to recognize it's God. And I'm going to be looking to him for the power, for the direction, for that. I can't tell you how many times <laughs> it's... It, I, I don't know, maybe you've heard better, pre, better pastors than me, most likely. But, you know, there are times you, you, you get tempted to think this, Lord, I've got to do something to get people to listen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on a guilt trip. No, that's called stupid. Because a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. What's better is we gather together and the preacher and the people rely on the Holy Spirit to do the talking and the doing. And all is good. So as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another 
as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. I love that because there's times I have seen pictures of me in this pulpit. And as far as I'm concerned, what in the world am I doing behind this place? We're getting ready to celebrate the 65th anniversary of this church. I was four years old when it started. I'm glad the Lord took a couple of years before I came here. You know, praise God. So let me go through a few preliminary things and then we'll get to Acts chapter 2. The Greek word for spiritual gift, you've, many of you have heard this before, charisma is related to grace, charis, because it is due to God's grace. You go to Romans 6.23, a very familiar passage, that speaks of the gift of salvation. There is his gift of care, and we're not going to turn to a 2 Corinthians 1. But mostly what this word speaks of is the abilities given by the Holy Spirit. Again, every believer has been given an ability. Every believer has been given an ability by the Spirit to do the work of the Lord. There's different gifts. There's different abilities. There's different places. You know, I praise God for the abilities that and the places that, that people are given. For instance, you know, I, I, I praise God for this. Brother Dekila was able to minister to a Christian family that we know and found out there was a need there. And, and brother, through your job, the Lord used you. I think that is fantastic. You know, that's why, you know, I, you know there, there are places, my mom was a teacher, my wife was a, is a teacher, is a, is a teacher. You look at that gift, then you look at the gift of giving, you look at the gift of, you know, ministering, you know, be it Brad with what he does here, or sometimes just wielding a hammer out here, but praising the God, praising God as you're going. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but we got to be careful. But the point is, everybody, everybody has a gift, which by the way, means the church needs to be sensitive and using people, children, you know, talking about this. Hey, we're going to be having in July, we're going to be having vacation Bible school. Hey, let's use that to build King's Kids. We need to be praying for that. There's children out there that need to be reached. The gift, this gift, whatever it might be with anybody, is a God-given ability for service. It's a gift from God. It's an ability from God. It is given for service in the body of Christ. It's not something where, you know, I, I, have, I, I've, I, want, I want the gift of making millions. Why? So I can tithe on it. No, that, that's... No. But there are people that have the gift of giving. The gift is not a place... It's not an office, it's not a technique, it's not a natural talent, although it can be, it, it can be matured. But it's something that like, for instance, where you are, God uses it, like he did. 
like on Sundays, like on Wednesday nights, you know, wherever it might be, like in giving when it, when it comes to out there where you're at. Sharon Fogle, how many years would you have Dennis and Dennis been married now? 60 years. Dennis is with the Lord. It was amazing to see the ministry that they had in the prisons. You know, some people don't get excited about, you know, what other people do for the Lord. But when the, the Lord gives you that burden, I mean, here's Dennis and Sharon. I can't wait to go to prison. The Lord bless thee and keep thee and make his face to shine upon, you know, and give thee peace, you know. But uh, I mean, my thing was like, you know, if I went into something like that, it's like, where's the exit? But the Lord gives you an ability and he gives you an opportunity when he gives the ability. Now, there are limits to, again, a few preliminary things. There's limits to the gifts. The people, the time, the number, we'll be getting into that. Christ is the head of the church, amen? Christ is the one, the spirit comes, the spirit has given us these gifts. So Christ is the one who is there and he determines who has the gifts, how the gift is utilized in the body and so forth. Now, again, no believer has all the gifts and contrary to what some people say, this, you know, there are particular gifts. They say, well, everybody has the gift. No, everybody does not have a certain gift. But here's the thing that is, to me, wonderful to think about and, and, and really a, a prodding to us to remember when the Spirit came in Acts chapter 2, it changed the world. Consider this. Well, again, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting too excited about this message. Forgive me. There's going to be three other passages that we target down the road. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. And there'll be a few other verses here and there. But this is all about the beginning of it all. Go, go ahead and go to Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Vance Havner made an interesting comment when it came to this. He says, we're not going to move this world by criticism of it or conformity to it. You, you stop and consider how many people today are sidestepping or overstepping the Spirit of God in order to do the work of God. 
I really like what he says here. We're not going to do God's work by, by criticizing, reaching the world by criticism or of conformity to it, but by the combustion within it of lives ignited by the Spirit of God. Now, I've got a, I've got a comment I'm going to be giving toward the end of the message that really speaks to this right here. Stop and consider what took place. You're remembering out of Acts 2 what happened. We're going to look at a few points, but there's a couple of things that we really need to remember just to... How many of you like the story of Samson? Yeah, I think it's great. How did that happen? The Spirit of God came on Samson. And so we think, you know, Lord, give me that spirit too. Boy, there's some times I'm telling you, I need it in a work day, et cetera, et cetera. Here's something what has taken place, and we need to rejoice in this. The same spirit that came down on Samson or came down on David or others in the Old Testament that same spirit came to stay. That spirit is here. Like we cited before, the spirit of God is as close to you right now. If you've trusted Christ, the spirit of God is as close to you as your body is to your soul. Contemplate that. Go to verse 2, Acts 2. Again, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they would be sitting. Again, he didn't come just down. He indwells, and he's permanent. The Lord told us this is what would happen, John 14. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you, like we cited already, another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Now, there are times we wind up racing by phrases. Let's not do that. There's phrases, there's places, there's passages in the scripture that if we would sit on them long enough, they would give us not only great comfort, but they would give us great encouragement. It's not up to me. It's not up to you. It's up to him. We are to be available. Like Tim Schmidt has talked about when he's been here before, it's the hand in the glove. My desire is to be used by God, speaking truth from the word so that we hear it, all of us, including me. It's not the preacher. It's the person of God. And he says, through here, Christ, that he's sending another of the same kind, and he will be with us forever. The Spirit couldn't come sooner. As an aside, John 7, verse 37 in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, 
if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Parenthesis, verse 39. But this he spake of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Why? Because that Jesus was not yet glorified. There would be a transition. But folks, praise God, the transition has taken place. We are here. The word spirit used here is the same word as the word wind in both the Hebrew and the Greek. By the way, the people did not feel a wind. They heard it. It was like the sound of a rushing mighty wind. Look at verse 3 again. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. Now, I, I want to I jump to something here. The Greek word, and it's not found here, but it's found elsewhere when it comes to the Holy Spirit. The word, Greek word baptizo has two meanings. It's where we get, you know, baptize. One literal and the other figurative. The word literally means to dip, to submerge. The figurative meaning means to be identified with. The elongated version of that is this, to take something out of its previous environment and place it in a different environment. And in doing so, you change the relationship of that person, that thing, with its previous environment. That's what happened when we came into Christ and the Holy Spirit indwells us. We are not of this world. We have been changed. But we have identified with Christ and that has made all the difference. The baptism of the Spirit, the Spirit coming, the baptism of the Spirit is that act of God by which he identifies believers with Christ, who is the head of the church and, the, and formed the, spirit, the, the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12. When you read about baptism in the New Testament, you need to exercise discernment. I don't want you, you can write these things down, but don't go to them right now. But there are places where it's symbolic. For instance, Romans 6, 3 and 4, Galatians 3, 27 and 28. The reference to baptism is symbolic. Water baptism cannot put a person in Christ. It doesn't do it. Well, Wait a minute, no, there, there's, there's places that there are other people that have twisted and distorted and said, this proves that sal you know, sa salvation comes by baptism. No, it does not. No, it does not. Water baptism is a public witness of the person's identification with Christ. Only the Holy Spirit can bring a person into Christ. That place does not. It's an outward expression of what has taken place 
inwardly. Now, historically, I'm again getting into some detail here. Historically, the baptism of the Spirit took place in two stages. The Jewish believers at Pentecost and then the Gentiles who were baptized added to the body uh, in uh, the body of Christ at the home of Cornelius. That's all there in Acts 10 and Acts 11. Go to verse 4 if you would. This again, we're back in Acts chapter 2. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I'm not going to speak about tongues right now, but I want to just mention something briefly, suffice it to say. And again, most everybody here knows this. Tongues were assigned to Jews. 1 Corinthians 1.22, for the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. 1 Corinthians 14, in the law it is written with men of other tongues and other lips, will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. And it's sad to see the confusion that has come about because of the modern-day tongue-slash-charismatic movement, which has had other issues going with it as well. By the way, another reason for the gift of tongues was to let the world know this. The gospel is for the whole world. And that's a joy. That's an absolute joy. God wants to speak to every person in their own language, give the salvation message of Christ. That's why the emphasis in the book of Acts is worldwide evangelism. We also need to remember this, that they used known languages. The Greek word translated language in Acts 2.6 and tongue in Acts 2.8 is the same refers to a language or dialect of some country or district. Luke named 15 different geographical locations, stated that the citizens of those places heard Peter and the others declare God's works in languages they could understand. At Pentecost, Christians were filled with the Spirit Spirit and experienced by the baptism of the Spirit. After that, they experienced many fillings being controlled, but no more baptisms. The baptism of the Spirit means I belong to his body. The fullness of the Spirit, the control of the Spirit, the fullness means my body belongs to him. Let that not be confusing to people. The baptism is final. The fullness is repeated. But now we come to the part that I really wanted to get to. Look at verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how 
hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. Parthenians and Medes, Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia in Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes. Listen to this, verse 11, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Now, now look at that. Brother Whiteside, I can't remember there, you know, <laughs> you ever have a time where you hear a good illustration, it's like, oh, I got to write that down. And then if I write it down, I forget where did I put it. But there was a well-known, there was a well-known pastor of days gone by. I honestly, I can't remember who it was. But somebody asked him, you know, what is it, you know, with your walk with the Lord, what is it that keeps you going like you are? He was so joyful in the Lord. And he paused and he thought, and he said this. And I thought this was absolutely fantastic. He said, I never lost the wonder. Now, that's one of those Selah moments. I never lost the wonder. You know, some of us here, we've, we've been involved in, in, in the church for decades. And coming, you know, to fellowship Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and, and hearing things and, you know, preacher preaching, etc. Sometimes if we're not careful, we can get what I used to get when I was in construction, calluses. How many of you ever got some really big calluses on you before? I'm going to say I'm going to I'm, I'm going to say something that's going to be kind of gross, but I apologize for that. But I got to use this to, you know, to make the point. When I was in construction, the calluses used to go, get so thick on my hand, I'd bite them off. Now I wouldn't swallow. I'd spit, you know, I wasn't a self-cannibal. You know, boy, that, that, that hand didn't taste all that good. Let's try the right one, you know. But, you know, they, they get, they get thick, you know, because it's repetition. And, and it's, you know, I think spiritually speaking, there needs to be times we bite the calluses off. Now, I don't know what you would do with your calluses, how you take care of them. The point is this. You know, want to be tender towards the work of God. That's why it's great at, at, at times to come in. Remember, remember, uh, remember John Dolezal, some of you? And I remember Tim talking about how, you know, he was, he was really, work, you know, working with John. And, and, and Tim says, you know, I'm sitting over here. I'm watching John. And while, while I was preaching or somebody else was preaching, John's listening, and for all, his, for all his lack of ability, he's taking notes. And, and Tim said he'd be, you know, he's listening, and then he'd write something down, and he'd look up again, and, you know, write something down again. It was great. It's great. And Tim thought, you know, I remember when I was like that. Or, you know, we've talked so much about Antonio, but it's the, it's, it's the truth. 
when Tim got Antonio to go back to visit Ambassador Baptist College, you know, here comes Antonio out of an English class, and he is like a kid on Christmas Eve because they, he was just in a class where they're diagramming sentences from the Bible. And he thought, this is the greatest thing since peanut butter and jelly. And if you know me, you know that's something really good. You know, we, we, we lose something at times. These people, what were they hearing? They were hearing from these people what these people knew about what God had done. Not only with others, but with themselves. And all when it comes to the plan of salvation and the love of God and everything that they heard from Christ. And they're going, my soul. We're hearing, all of us, you know, we're looking at people as, as, we, have, as we have looked and, and, and listened and we've responded. There are people from all over the place. They're hearing it and they're responding the same way. The wonderful works of God. Now, let me ask you something. Have you got a Bible? Does anybody here have a Bible that lacks the works of God in it? No. It's here. It's here. Now, this, this, is, this is what I'm getting at. We speak of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I was two messages into speaking about the Holy Spirit. Part of the Trinity, and, and he, he's, got the, he's got the same uh, characteristics of God the Father and God the Son. And so it, it winds up getting academic to people. But then we come to Acts chapter 2, and we find out that that Spirit has come and indwelt people and given them the gift in this particular case of speaking in a language that is not known to them. And, oh, my soul, what is it that they're hearing about? They're not hearing, hey, you need to get this gift. No, they're hearing about the wonderful works of God. And you know something? That is what needs to continue. We need to remember what God has done in us. Confess the sin of callousness and rejoice anew in what God has done in our lives and the fact that we can rejoice in front of the world as well. There are people, I have a list of reasons that people leave the church. They leave it because they're not convinced of what the church believes anymore, a good bit of them. And that takes place because it's all gotten to be academic or something that is totally separate from what the Spirit of God can do. 
when's the last time? You know, I, I love when we were down at two-minute warning. Uh, they were talking about, you know, this. what happens when a person trusts Christ? The angels in heaven rejoice. Wow! We need to remind ourselves that if we do not remind ourselves of the wonderful works of God, our ministry will be greatly diminished to the point of well-nigh uselessness. Have you ever run into a Christian that's bitter? Have you ever run into a Christian that is totally apathetic to the wonderful works of God? That is not a testimony for the Lord. None whatsoever. But here's just in closing a thought along this line. What hinders us? Now you might think about you might think about some particulars when it comes to your Christian life. I don't know, you know, what maybe you know got you, you know, at, at one time or another got you off course or or was discouraging, because face it, as Christians, we can get discouraged. You know, there's times when we forget where our power comes from and somebody in the world or somebody in the church winds up saying something, doing something, and next thing you know, it's like, you know, what's the point? What's the point? Uh, we, have a, we have a relative in our family and found out that there was an individual that got discouraged about what was going on in this church. And, and he said, I, I was just about ready to leave. And I said, oh, you, you were going to leave the church? He says, no, I was going to leave Christianity. Now, he was discouraged there. And he didn't. And, you know, I mean, he's, he's been used of God. But at that time, listen, I know what it means to be discouraged. How many of you have ever been discouraged? Three things. And I think this one, for me, has been up there sometimes. It just, it saddens me. One of the things that will discourage us or hinder us, even though we know the Spirit of God is there, and we're going to be coming back to what the Spirit did in Acts 2, but there's a, a fear of failure because we get it in our minds that it's not the Holy Spirit that's doing it, it's us. I'm telling you, if there's one person in the Bible that I identify with, it's Peter. I mean, you talk about open mouth and cert foot, chew thoroughly, that's him. You know, here he was, you know, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come out of the boat, come. And he gets out and he's walking and then here comes a wave. And then here comes another one. Now, I grew up in Southern California. Sometimes waves were a whole lot of fun. You know, you had a belly board or something like that. And then there was others that's like, oh, my soul, get me out of here. So here's Peter. 
There's Christ. There's the waves. What happened? You know what happened. Next thing you know, you know, he's going down. Lord, help. We get tempted. We get tempted to think that if we fail, oh, we're going to be embarrassed. And there's just no coming out of that. I remember reading a pastor. He said early on in his ministry, he had a pastor friend that would call him on Monday morning and tell him, I give you permission to fail. Because a pastor gets tempted in this. And believe me, I've been there many times. You go home Sunday night and you start thinking, boy, that was a really stupid thing to say. You know, why didn't I remember that illustration? You know, I embarrassed somebody. You know, I said something, you know, I didn't put that right. That was, yeah, that was a dud. Yeah. And it's like, you know, not now, for those of you that might be tempted, don't come up to me and say, you know, you could have preached that better. Because I'll have you getting up next Sunday night and finishing for me. But you know, Pete, excuse me, Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 7, for when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. So you know, like without, you know, without were fightings, I'm gonna, we're gonna finish today, and next thing I next thing I know, you know, Brother Granby and Brother Whiteside are gonna be in, you know, in a fist fight out here. And I'm going to be afraid that I'm the one that's going to have to get in between them and, and, and separate them. And meanwhile, oh boy. Seriously though, you know what happens? We're afraid to show our weaknesses. Now it's the truth. If we get into the flesh, we are afraid to show our weaknesses. Have I ever preached a message that was a dud? There's many people here, you've probably been and heard it. My desire is this, Lord, you take this stammering tongue and use it for your glory. And maybe the joke was stupid to tell, and Lord, help me not to tell it again, even though Ted told me to tell it. You know, see, that's what I'll do. I'll just pass things off. Yeah, exactly. Timing, yeah, there we go. But Lord, help. Lord, help the messenger to fade into the background because the most important thing is this. We all hear in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. I want that going out with everybody tonight. That is what we need to remember. But then there's something else that we wind up doing. We set ourselves on the throne. That's what I was talking about this morning when I said, you know what? I have a problem with pride because you you can't help. You can't help but get behind the pulpit and sometimes the flesh just comes up and goes, you know, you really did tell that, that, that joke good. People laughed. Even Mike Hale laughed. That was great. 
You don't think, yet, did, did, did the disciples have this problem? Hey, here comes, you know, here comes James and John with mom. Uh, <clears throat> Lord, in all humility, we want to sit on either side of you in the kingdom. Yeah, that's, your, that's real humility. And the Lord, in his wonderful, loving way, told them, guys, you're going to be there, but let me tell you something, it's quite a road between here and there. And even all the disciples, you know, who's going to be number one? You know why? Because we have a flesh. We have a flesh. I remember somebody said, they were talking about um, some kind of a priest. It wasn't a preacher, it was a priest. How do you really discourage this guy? You tell him that the priest down the road had a bigger crowd than he did. You know what? I remember when this church was running, we were averaging a little under 200. And it was great. And my hair started turning gray. And I thought, that's a blessing. And then younger guys started coming in. And I'm getting older. And suddenly I start having difficulties of discouragement and depression. And it's like, oh my. Went through that. And now I am the old guy. And you know what I'm seeing? I'm seeing this. Lord, help us. We need the young guys. Because there's going to come a time, there's a young man, as the Lord tarries, that needs to be here. Because I'm not going to be stupid enough to be with some people that I've heard and say, you know what, bless God, I'm going to die in the pulpit. Well, you know, if that's the case, then preacher, go ahead and hit the ground right now because that's not what the church needs. And maybe if I would have really worked on the extra cycle that one time a few years ago, that might have been what happened. And if I didn't, you know, because it was Roger that said, get to the hospital, get out of here. We'll say, Roger, you probably saved my life that day because I was going to go ahead and preach anyway. So don't get proud about that. Just, no, he, he's, he's, no he's, he's probably looking and saying, you know, I should have told you to go ahead and preach. <laughs> For those of you that are listening online, Roger said he really would rather that I had died. So I'm just kidding. I'm just, see, and now there's a joke that goes, you know. Wayne, did you zero that out? <laughs> listen, li- listen. Th- this is this is what we, this is what we need to do. Okay. Are you saved? Say Amen. Know your salvation. Know it. Hey, and then recognize that the very same way the salvation was a work of God. The work of ministry comes from the same God. 
It's not a thing of salvation by faith, but ministry by flesh. We start in faith and we continue till he takes us home. We've got so much more to say about this. We'll be going into the gifts. And again, Mike, thank you for pointing out that, that, you know, we haven't said a whole lot about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, for those, again, like I mentioned this morning, if somebody here has the gift of critiquing, let me know about it. If somebody here has the gift of helping the preacher do a better job, come to me because I'd love it. Because you know what? It's not about me and it's not about us. It's about him. And churches grow and, you know, they develop and, and, and ministries, you know, they, they flourish or they, sometimes they struggle or whatever. But the point is this, the gospel goes out here and overseas and every church, including this one, needs to be involved in both. So we've got a lot that we're going to be talking about. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the ministry. Thank you for the work. Lord, I pray that you would give us your wisdom. Lord, help us to hear and heed your spirit. Lord, use this place, use us not for our glory, but for yours. We are so very thankful for the Spirit, for the indwelling of the Spirit and the gifts that the Spirit gives. May we be good stewards of what you have bestowed. I'm so thankful that there are people here that have been good stewards. We've seen them work work by you. Lord, use this place, I pray, in Christ's name.